0: Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for taking the time to tune in to the Sheila Zelensky show. I'm really excited to get into this part four of a series that I've entitled Secrets of Mind Control, the Mind War Matrix. And if you go to the description below, you'll see the other three parts very, very intriguing. I especially really want people to go and watch the Monarch programming show that I did. Go check those other ones out as they really provide a backdrop for the rest of the series. I'm entitling this show, Masonry, Magic, Music, and Mind Control. I'm going to tie a lot of this stuff into the church and this is going to be quite an expose and I want to jump right into it. You've heard me use a term called Illuminati Pastors. I've also referred to on shows with Mark Taylor as this clergy response team. And I really believe that the Illuminati injected altars in the church as to infiltrate. And of course, I've talked a lot about the School of Frankfurt. I'm not going to get into the School of Frankfurt in this particular show, but I want to just tell you that many of these mind control handlers, they're highly trained in the dark arts. And would you believe astral projection, a lot of hypnosis, very, very well trained. These seminaries essentially have become, I believe, in my opinion, indoctrination centers, implementing principles of theosophy, and the occult. And I'm going to lay out quite an expose today. So on this expose, I've never seen anybody put together anything called mind control in the church ever. I haven't seen anything out there. A little over a decade ago, I used to have on my program quite frequently Fritz Springmeier. I think he's an incredible researcher, one of the best I read three of Fritz's books, The Bloodlines of the Illuminati book. I read his, one of the books I have is called The Illuminati Formula Used to Create an Undetectable Mind Control Slave. Yeah, that's quite a handle. And then there's another book, Be Wise as Serpents. So with those three books and pulling on my own research, I was able to connect some dots. And I'm going to lay this out. And I think you'll be very shocked. One of the interesting things I, I touched on theosophy, you know, what I found is virtually all of the leading American TV, even jellyfish, as I call them, TV ministers have drunk at the trough of the esoteric, the theosophical, and the Gnostic speculations of the late E. W. Kenyon. You know what I call this? Word-faith occultism. Of course, Kenneth E. Hagen, a lot of his work was a derivative of that. And of course, leading proponent of word-faith doctrines, Kenneth Copeland and that whole gang. In his book published before his death, entitled The New Age Cult. I found it interesting Dr. Walter Martin considered Copeland and the faith movement part of the New Age movement. Albert Dagger compares Copeland's doctrines with theosophists and equates positive confession as a tenant of witchcraft. It's interesting, after quoting young Cho, another word faith teacher, Mark Havel, asks, Is this a model for prayer? or casting a spell. In John MacArthur's words, word faith theology has turned Christianity into a system no different from the lowest human religions, a form of voodoo where God can be coerced, cajoled, manipulated, controlled, and exploited for the Christian's own end. And in uh, MacArthur's more recent book, Strange Fire, listen to this, what he wrote about the word faith movement. I thought this was interesting. And you'll see how this ties in with what I'm going to lay out in this program. They're promoting crass superstition blended with false doctrines purloined from assorted Gnostic and metaphysical cults cloaked in Christian terms and symbols. It's interesting that in ancient Egypt, the followers of the Egyptian god thought the master of all knowledge and the originator of, write this word down, alchemy, believed that thoughts were real things with vibrational and energy levels of their own, which could be manipulated to produce physical effects. In other words, what you think is what you get. A lot of occult writers talk about entering an altered state of consciousness, having faith in your faith and allowing this force to work through you. Yeah, the same force a lot of these occult writers talk about, the same force that, well, you know it well in the Star Wars movies. Herein lies the basis of all occult Power. This is how Chandlers become Chandlers. This is how occultists have developed occult powers. And you know what? It's how millions of our school children are being mind controlled, manipulated, opened up to magic and demonic beings. Now, some of those stressing the power of the mind, faith, or positive thinking include, of course, Robert Shuler, Clement Stone with Possibility Thinking, Positive Mental Attitude, Norman Vincent Peale, of course, Norman Vincent Peale really being the founder of Positive Thinking. Oral Roberts, Seed Faith Principle, and of course, the teachings of Kenneth E. Hagin, Kenneth Copeland, and others in their Word Faith teaching. Paul Younggi Cho, Prosperity Gospel, and Charles Kapp, and many others who stress positive confession, the terms positive confession, prosperity thinking, theology of success movement, or Name it and claim it. These are all terms to use to describe those stressing the power of faith as a force to influence the environment of God. Word faith preacher Pat Robertson admits that his principles are the same used by occultists such as Napoleon Hill. Listen to what he writes here. This is Pat Robertson. I began to realize the Bible is not an impractical book of theology, but rather a practical book of life containing a system of thought and conduct that will guarantee success principles so universal they might be considered to be laws. Such people as Napoleon Hill, who wrote Think and Grow Rich, have gleaned only a few of the truths of the kingdom of God, and they wrap it in metaphysical principles. Now, frighteningly, Napoleon Hill, the high level occultist who learned his metaphysical principle from demons who came to him from the spirit world posing as masters of a temple of wisdom. So Peel, Schuler, Robertson, Hagen, Roberts. Copeland and all these others. Now I'm just talking right now about evangelicals, sort of these mega preachers. They've brought into the church ancient occultism as part of the signs and wonders and prosperity movement foretold for the last days. Folks, there are disturbingly strong parallels in them with Rosicrucianism, theosophy, including the Alice Bailey teachings I've talked so much about, Madame Helena Blavatsky, even the Russian occultist George Gurdjieff. Robertson's Law of Reciprocity sounds amazingly like George Gurdjieff's Law of Reciprocal Maintenance. Try to deny that. We're talking here about metaphysics. This is what E.W. Kenyon, the forefather of faith theology, wrote. We are dealing with the basic laws of man's being, the great spiritual laws that govern the unseen forces of life. In that statement, Kenyon is espousing deism, the metaphysical worldview that the universe is governed by impersonal spiritual laws rather than a personal sovereign God. Many of these plants in the church are simply mind-controlled altars who have been satanically abused and taught in the dark arts. They've been trained as soldiers. These alternate personalities, I believe, are part of a deliberate plan by Satan to have slaves in the end time satanic army. I'm going to show you a lot of witchcraft, sorcery, spells, hypnotism, and how this all ties in to mind control handlers in the church and the use of religious fronts. Folks, these high level Illuminati wizard pastors, as I call them, they're warlocks. They're trained in spells, incantations, mind binding, and mind control. Again, I really lay out the monarch programming in video number three. A great deal of monarch programming and creating these mind control slaves are done under three major covers. They're, they're like fronts, religious fronts, the front of national security and the military, And of course, the entertainment field, the music industry in Hollywood. These religious fronts were popular for centuries, especially when groups like the Jesuits, the Assassins and other groups held immense power. Religious fronts are still being used, such as Jay-Z Knight, Elizabeth Clare Prophets, Cut Church, the Church of Scientology, the Charismatic Movement. Of course, we see ones from the past, Jim Jones and Jonestown and David Kresh's group. Billy Ray Moore's Lord's Chapel is entirely a mind control operation. And in this show, I'm not going to get into the Catholic Church. That is an entire whole show unto itself. But again, these are mind controlled operations. There is a non-denomination Pentecostal church in southern Washington whose entire membership is Satanists under mind control. Various overseas missionary groups are covers for the CIA and mind control. And it would take a book to really explain how these religious fronts are part of the total trauma-based mind control and how they operate to protect mind control. But I'm going to do my best to paint you what i believe is a very frightening picture because mind control goes hand in hand with deception many of these illuminati pastors and mega churches and not even just mega churches could be even the church on your corner are religious fronts and are an important part of Illuminati program. In fact, due to their Gnostic philosophies of balancing their good deeds with their bad deeds, it's almost essential to have these religious fronts through which one can do good deeds. And if Americans ever begin to understand the power structure behind their institutions and who controls them, they'll begin to see the lies in the scripts that they have been fed since infancy. I'm talking cradle to grave. Now, one of the guys I'm going to bring up that might be a shocker for people, of course, now he's passed away, but I want to talk here a little bit about Billy Graham because a lot of people think that Billy Graham was a great man of God. I mean, here's a guy that stood beside each of the presidents and the Pope. The Illuminati doesn't just program individuals. They program whole nations. The public has been duped into believing in an image Now, in the case of Billy Graham, again, Christians believe in this television image that he portrays. But is it for real? You'll begin to see the extent of how America's institutions have been corrupted by mind control. Because you know what's frightening? Nearly all the Christian churches worldwide and many activities as the NCC, the Billy Graham Crusades, the Promise Keepers, the Christian churches... The Orthodox, the Catholic, the Protestant, and the non-denominationals can be considered one institution. The infiltration and control of the Christian religion has been one of the easiest tasks of the Illuminati. The Christian churches are what the intelligence agencies call soft targets. Here's just an interesting thing. In 1992, Billy Graham broadcast all over the United States, his radio show called Embrace America. Interesting, in the Louisiana area, It came over the KJN Lafayette station. During that show, Billy Graham told the American people, we need to embrace the new world order. He's also on record. This is, I mean, lots of people have done exposés on Billy Graham. I'm going to hit on some points, but I'm not going to get into uh, a whole hour show on this. But. Billy Graham is actually also on record stating that people can have salvation through paganism, which is another name for witchcraft. In McCall Magazine, Graham stated, I used to believe that pagans in far-off countries were lost, were going to hell. I no longer believe that. I believe that there are many ways of recognizing the existence of God. Like through nature, for instance. Pagans believe that salvation can be obtained through nature. This is out of Billy Graham's own mouth. Sounds a whole lot like Oprah Winfrey. There's many ways to God. Billy Graham had been built up to be the most respected, popular person in America. When you understand the world of the Illuminati, all top hierarchy Satanists are required to have covers, and they usually have multiple personalities. They, the programmers, handlers, and the Illuminati councils, try to get the best covers that they can. They like to be clergymen, preachers, mega pastors, etc., Some Satanists and high-level wizards have invaded the church as it is the perfect cover for them. They masquerade as angels of light and gravitate towards positions of leadership in order to have more influence. And again, if you really want to get more into Billy Graham, I'd really recommend getting Fritz Springmeier's Be Wise as Serpents, which really exposed Billy Graham as a Luciferian. And it really gets into the high-level Satanism. So I really highly recommend that book. Now, high-level Satanism, folks, is Gnosticism. Write that word down. This requires that the force, again, the Star Wars term, that's where it comes from, of these great satanic magicians must be balanced. In high-level Satanism, your good deeds must balance your evil deeds. And again, many ex-insiders say that Billy Graham is not only a high-level Freemason, but a high-level wizard. Now, a lot of these Illuminati pastors, they are trained in these buzzwords to reactivate people's programming, especially monarch survivors. And you'll see certain things like messages, which I'm going to get into later, messages, code words, high-level hypnotic techniques and the like. I'm going to get into all that in this expose. But there's also another book, A Startling Exposure, Billy Graham and the Church of Rome by Ian R.K. Paisley. It's a kind of rare book, and it's probably not widely available, but this is an incredible expose as well on really nails, outright proof that Billy Graham was definitely not who he said he was. Now, what's important about this, especially when you go back and you look at video out of their own words and their own actions, if people even took a look at what Billy Graham has said on public record, it would startle them. So, who's Billy Graham and some of these high level preachers working for? Are they trying to build the Christian churches up or are they trying to lay the foundation for a one world religion? And just know that Billy Graham had an incredible love affair with the Catholic Church. This is a statement from Billy Graham himself. Pope John Paul II has emerged as the greatest religious leader of the modern world and one of the greatest moral leaders of this world century. There's been a long history of concern by devout Christians over Billy Graham and a lot of dissatisfaction among conservative Christians towards him, but the controlled media, they don't report those concerns. You don't realize the extent of the concerns. Billy Graham deviates from scripture. He's on public record supporting homosexuality, abortion, his disbelief in a literal hell, his support and practice of infant baptism to save children, his support for the Catholic Church's worship of Mary, but he calls himself a Protestant. He's repeatedly praised infidels and apostates as great Christians. He wouldn't challenge the idea that the Bible is mythology when directly questioned, but the deception goes way way beyond that. What's frightening to me is Billy Graham's public endorsements of the World Council of Churches and the National Council of Churches, his consistent attendance at the World Council of Churches meetings, his support of the Pope and the Catholic Church, which is the largest Christian religion and one of the pillars of the New Age One World religious body being set up. Billy Graham did more than anyone in the world to bring about the One World Harlot Church, and he did more than anyone to unite all the Christian groups into one organization. The fact that the NCC and the WCC give him thumbs up is really frightening. And many of the insiders that worked for the Crusades, they said a great majority of the people that came forward to receive Christ were then sent to Catholic and extremely liberal churches. In fact, none on record were even sent to solid Bible-believing churches. And this is recorded in the Catholic Standard and Times, July 16, 1998. The Catholic paper reported that 2,800 Catholics responded to Billy Graham's call to make decisions for Christ in the Philadelphia Crusade and referred to about 250 parishes. People that came forward were sent to Jewish synagogues and New Age churches. And surprisingly, many, many of the Crusades were sponsored by the Catholic Church. What's also frightening is Billy Graham's acceptance of communism, which really carries down to other preachers. He's praised Mao Zedong's principles, he's praised North Korea openly. Billy Graham's family, when they originally came over to this nation, were of the Frank family, the same. Jacob Frank, remember Jacob Frank assumed the role of the leader of the Sabbatian Kabbalists? There's a major connection between Marxism and a group of Satanists called the Frankists. The Frankists, one of the strongest satanic cults to ever take over the Jewish population, again called Sabbatianism. I've talked a lot about that before. John Terrell's talked about it. Jacob Frank assumed the role of leader of this group, and afterward, His brand of Satanism was called Frankism. Sigmund Freud's sexually obsessed theories came from Frankism. Jacob Frank essentially taught his followers to convert to another religion and hide behind that religion to practice their Satanism. There's quite a few books on the subject of Frankism, but one of the amazing books that I highly recommend is The Contemporary Faces of Satan by Ray M. Georgievich, and he documents Billy Graham's family were the Frank family, but they changed their name to Graham, a Scottish name. And several other independent researchers discovered that Billy Graham's heritage was the Jewish Frank family. And wasn't it fascinating that Graham had very strong relationships with Jewish leaders and Jewish Christian ministries, the messianic movements. In fact, I saw a clip years ago where Graham actually said, and I wish I could find this clip, he said, the Jews are a special chosen group. They don't need to come to Christ. Graham has assured Jewish leaders that he is against converting Jews to Christianity. And again, some more of this is also documented in the Be Wise as Serpents by Fritz Springmeier. I'd highly recommend people get that book. Now in this book also Fritz really lays out proof positive how Billy Graham is a 33rd degree Mason. To progress up the ranks in Satanism you have to go through Freemasonry. Freemasonry teaches people about symbology, of the mystery religions. And the lodges bring in female monarch slaves for some of their Egyptian sex magic rituals. Of course, other prominent Masons, high-level Charles T. Russell, founder of the Watchtower Society, the whole Jehovah's Witness cult, that's why they keep memberships of the Mormon prophets secret by the Masonic Lodge to keep these key people's memberships very quiet. Jim Shaw, an ex-33rd degree Mason, the highest ranking Freemason to defect to Christianity, writes about Billy Graham attending his 33rd. 30th degree initiation ceremony. And the Scottish Rite has a Billy Graham file. Interesting that William M. Watson, the director of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association, is a Freemason. He's also president of Occidental Petroleum Corporation. Watson is also a member of the Development Council of the Masonic run Baylor University. Baylor University participates in a lot of mind control programs. David M. McConnell, director of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association of Freemason. He was also the U.S. ambassador to the United Nations business associate with Illuminatus Charles Gambrell in the Belk stores of Charlotte, North Carolina. Arthur Lee Mallory, co-chairman of the Billy Graham Crusade Advisory Committee, 33rd degree Freemason, deacon in the Southern Baptist Church. Billy Graham has helped set up other 33rd degree Masons in ministry as well, placing his stamp of approval on almost every well-known apostate Christian out there. Robert Schuller, Norman Vincent Peale, Oral Roberts. These were all high-level Masonic brothers of 33rd degree Freemason Billy Graham, Now, there's several witnesses that say Oral Roberts participated in SRA and mind control and that Oral Roberts University and the charismatic movement are all religious fronts. Many people that came out of the Illuminati claimed to be in satanic rituals with Oral Roberts, also claiming his university is being used as a programming center for mind-control monarch slaves. It is said that under the Prayer Tower is one of the programming sites, Billy Graham helped launch Oral Roberts University and was a friend of Oral Roberts. From the Illuminati's point of view, Tulsa is the guardian city of Apollo. They say that Tulsa is a major center for these uh, infiltrators, for the charismatic movement. Of course, that would include Rhema Bible College. Almost all the seminaries are infiltrated. New York's Union seminary is controlled and owned by the Rockefellers. It's no coincidence that the Southern Baptist, of which Billy Graham is a member, is controlled by the Freemasons. Brooke Hayes, president of the Southern Baptist Convention, was a high-ranking Freemason, as well as part of the CFR. Of course, good old your favorite ex-president Bill Clinton, a slave handler, is a member of the Emanuel Baptist Church, which is a Southern Baptist church in Little Rock, Arkansas. The late Bill Moyers, who promoted the mystery religions, was a Southern Baptist. Moyers went to the Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary, the same school run by several of Billy Graham's staff directors, John Buchanan's another Southern Baptist, Jewish Norman Lear, anti-Christian, the Southern Baptist youth programs are totally based on Masonic ideas and rituals. The bottom line is the control of the Christian media and the Christian seminaries. The control of it is far more extensive than anyone really realizes there was no doubt that Billy Graham and many many others without a doubt worked directly for the satanic hierarchy it's in the Amish it's in the Mennonites when the Rosicrucian settlements fell apart they joined the Mennonites thus bringing their hermetic magic along with them Some within the Amish were some of the families that were undercover for the Jesuits and were sent in as spies long ago because they were corrupt. A lot of these families have been generational Satanists, which practice pedophilia and other crimes in the safety of their isolation. In Europe, that happened under Hitler when all the old order Amish were arrested in 1938 and wiped out of Germany. Prior to World War II, the Nazis part of the Illuminati sent over a number of program multiples, which set up an unnamed cult in upstate New York. This cult was to help Hitler take power in the US when the Nazis won the war. They did not win the war. But look how many decades later, these satanic cults still operate now second and third and fourth generation program multiples are now part of these cults somehow this illuminati mission coordinates with the illuminati project to get hitler's bloodline hidden among the amish and other cults i talked about this a lot in the other three about the mind control programming and a lot of these again predominantly Christian mega preachers they have handlers and they're handled the controller of the handler hypnotizes these Christian personalities they layer demons into the victim's mind like the like a computer it's like a computer the mind controller inserts codes into each new, demonic personality and can call them up later and instruct them to do certain things. These are triggers. The purpose of the handlers to create these new personalities of a mind control slave deliverance ministers call these altars demons. And many of these handlers are simply people who usually live a double life. They do work their demonic powers over their children through the use of sexual, verbal, and physical abuse. And you're seeing controllers and handlers all throughout television, music, entertainment, movies, government, businesses, and churches. All these programmers and mind controllers... Why do they have power? Because the agents work with supernatural demonic powers. That's why they have so much control over their mind control slaves. The devil works in concert to turn masses of people from Jesus. And they're doing it through the media with access codes, colors, story schemes, pictures in the newspapers, on television, Christian TV, ads, radio, certain phrases and person to person, eye winks, eye blinks, hand signals, body gestures, clothing, colors, words, taps. Hand gestures are a big one. Key colors on clothing, remember like red shoes, Mm -hmm. techniques again through neurolinguistic program, astral projection, telepathy, soul travel. I'm talking about this is high level magic and witchcraft. And a big part of it, of course, is hallucinogenic drugs, which I talked about a lot in the first three shows, but a lot of big pharma ties into this as well. Drugs weaken the mind and make people really susceptible to a lot of forms of mind control. Another avenue that these high-level occultists can enter into the illusionary world is through hypnotic visualization this is being practiced starting from kindergarten by teachers these witchcraft practices are being implemented under the guise of relaxation techniques and most of these triggers and codes and cues work at the subconscious that's the unconscious mind and hypnosis is such a huge part of this the word hypnosis is derived of course from the greek word hypnos meaning sleep Hypnotism is a means of bringing on an artificial state of sleep or a state of reduced consciousness while one is awake. The hypnotized person comes under the will and the bidding of the hypnotizer. So your will is essentially neutralized. Your will and your control is subjugated to the will of the hypnotizer. Putting oneself in a hypnotic state is very dangerous. You're yielding yourself completely over your mind, your body, yielded over to another person. Yet hypnosis is nothing new. It's been used for thousands of years by witch doctors and shamans, spirit mediums alike. It's a very powerful tool for the occult. How do they get in touch with the spiritual realm quickly? Well, hypnosis, drugs, meditation, meditation and visualization, which puts people in a trance. This is where familiar spirits tie into these past life regression scenarios where people actually think that hypnosis works. The occultist Edgar Cayce taught people how to enter a trance state and do self hypnosis and prescribed treatments to patients he never saw from faraway places. Self-hypnosis is very occultic and it's just as dangerous as a trance induced by a hypnotist. This is the same state that mediums go into to contact the dead or where clairvoyants or spiritualists receive information of events they could not know by natural means. Again, this is where these familiar spirits work. And we're warned by God not to practice sorcery, divination, or enchantments, aren't we? We're not to follow after mediums, wizards, enchanters, charmers, and those who have a what? A familiar spirit. Deuteronomy 18. Listen to what a UK researcher says in a recent news report about hypnosis. It measurably changes how the brain works. Hypnosis significantly affects the activity in a part of the brain responsible for detecting and responding to errors, says John Grusler, a psychologist at Imperial College in London. Using functional brain imaging, he also found that hypnosis affects an area that controls higher level executive functions. So, in addition to hypnotism, a lot of what's being used on people today in churches is also neuro linguistic programming or NLP. Interesting that Richard Bandler and John Grinder, under the tutelage of an anthropologist and a cyberneticist, Gregory Bateson, at the University of California, during this 1960s and 70s, the three of them got together and worked on a publication in 1975. They released, these are now the creators of NLP. They wrote a book in 1975 called The Structure of Magic, a book about language and therapy. They wrote volumes one and two. So in this structure of magic, these authors demonstrate how a person can use neurolinguistic programming as a model of communication that identifies and uses patterns in the thought process that influenced people's verbal and nonverbal behavior. So how did Bandler and Grinder get together and produce this so-called Marvel? Well at the time, John Grinder had become a significant contributor to the field of transformational grammar itself. Now, Bander, who was studying mathematics and computer sciences, had a genius for hearing patterns. These were mathematical and musical patterns. What he was recognizing while he would listen to speakers and rock and roll music with another ear, he was detecting patterns. The structure of magic dealt with how words work in the human consciousness, how meaning becomes transformed from one level to another in linguistics and how people process information in their heads using pattern and syntax through sensory systems. In other words, visual sights, auditory, which are sounds, kinesthetic sensations, olfactory smells and taste modalities, so in other words, using your senses, for instance, when you think about a strawberry, notice how you do that thinking. How do you process the information of that word? Do you see a strawberry on the screen of your mind that you pull from your memory bank? Do you instantly smell and taste that strawberry? Perhaps you listen to the sounds of biting into it, feeling the texture of the strawberry, in your hand or in your mouth. A person's state of consciousness arises systematically from an interaction of internal representations and physiology. So this all has to do with states of consciousness and the stimuli received from physiology. And that's the whole premise of neuro-linguistic programming. Down through the ages, the power and wonder of practitioners of magic have been recorded in songs and story. Of course, the presence of wizards, witches, sorcerers, shaman and gurus wrapped in a cloak of secrecy, presenting spells and incantations in enchantments they wove. This is an eclectic mishmash of mystery schools, esoteric traditions, and the hidden wisdom of the divine, as magicians would say. And that is all the course stuff for NLP master practitioners. These courses show NLP practitioners how to do magic. NLP master practitioners become skilled in hypnosis. Just think of one of the schools that I read on the internet. Here's a weekend when you become an NLP high level master. So you go through royal yoga and high magic, the middle pillar ritual, lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram, the powers of the sphinx, which is that's Alistair Crowley work, the body of light, your true self, your true will and your true path, according to the Tao, Spell casting, that's on day two, because casting, it says here, is an important part of magic. You either cast spells on yourself or others. In order for the spells to be magical spells rather than just hypnotic spells, they need to follow a number of rules. You learn about magical weapons, invocation of the holy guardian angel, and god forms. Well, doesn't that sound like a wonderful little two-day venture? And on the third day, you enter the conversation with your holy guardian angel. First, we build your magical temple and create your magical weapons. Then we spend the rest of the day invoking and conversing with your holy guardian angel and God forms, magical talismans, the magical link, and magical orders. And later on, the neophyte initiation ceremony. And finally, they wrap up in relevant NLP techniques and methodologies like the meta model, the Milton model, goal setting timelines, belief change, swish technique, chunking, reframing, working with metaphors and strategies. Just all in the day of an NLP practitioner training in Edinburgh. You can check this out at Edinburgh Trade House. And there's, uh, I was on the site of one in Amsterdam too, where, yeah, it goes through all these NLP magic systems. Isn't that amazing? Interesting that one of the high level um, medical doctors, one of the first persons NLP modeled, Milton Erickson. Say NLP is essentially mind control, mysticism, and magic. Using his book, that's Trance Formations, that's T R A N C E hyphen formations, The Structure of Hypnosis, 1981. Think about that. The book, Trance Formation, really. So they base their communication model off of that. So this is all like new age ideology woven in with theosophy, occultism, stuff that quotes the Hindu mystics that I and the universe are one, larger expanded consciousness, age of Aquarius, zodiac causation, spiritism channeling, clairvoyance, astral travel, mind reading, telepathy, crystals, empowerment, visualization, meditation, trance, states of consciousness, unconsciousness, and Hypnotism through transcendental meditation and trances. This all ties into Sanskrit shamanism, witchcraft, Vedic Hinduism. Of course, I've talked a lot about yoga. I've linked that show in the in the description below, along with the kundalini. Transcendental meditation has amazing deep roots with Vedic Hinduism. It's interesting that according to the Hindu scriptures, samadhi or trance is the state of perfection. This comes about when your mind becomes totally rid of material and mental activity through the practice of yoga. Yoga meaning yoked. I did a whole show on yoga, like I said, that is linked in the description, but the NLP model, folks, strictly represents a scientific model about the process of programming. And what's tremendously frightening is a lot of this stuff is being used in your typical Sunday sermons through, again, phrases, codes. I'm going to give you an example of something that I find really interesting that ties in with this. The great heretic Joel Osteen has come up with another million dollar book, of course, a few years ago, The Power of I Am. And I'm not talking about God's covenant name. God says to Moses, I am who I am in Exodus 3.14. I'm not talking about that I am. Let's listen to a line out of his book here. When you speak the right I am's, you're inviting the goodness of God. I am victorious. I am talented. I am anointed. I am blessed. Your words have creative power. With your words, you can bless your future and speak it into existence. When you speak the right I ams, you're inviting the goodness of God. This is the blasphemy of Joel Osteen's The Power of I Am book. Now, I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. This is a key phrase, I am, and repeating this, this is a typical word pattern where these high-level wizards have learned how to put people in a trance-like state using these code words, certain key phrases, repeating things over and over, such as three times, I am, repeated over and over. These phrases put people in a trance-like state. They put them in a dissociative trance-like state. There are actually five levels to the subconscious that the mind will naturally dissociate to. The other deeper levels require help to access. It should probably come as no shock to people that in the World Book Encyclopedia, hypnosis is listed under magic, divination, and enchantment. In occultist W.B. Crow's book, Witchcraft, Magic, and Occultism, it actually lists hypnotism as an occult science. Hypnosis for centuries has been the guarded secret of the occult world. It's interesting when we look at the Gnostic schools of Syria and Egypt to their successors, the Manicheans, the Templars, the Hermetics, the Rosicrucians, the Paulicians, and other powerful secret fraternities, these occult traditions have been bequeathed to the mystic bodies of our times. Gnosticism was then rejected by the Orthodox Church and the sacred and secret teachings of the Grand Master, it must be borne in mind that true occultism, the real mysticism, is essentially religious in its nature. Notably is the case with Masonic bodies. They had their foundation in occultism and mysticism. The occult doctrines of Gnostics were heirlooms and sacred traditions to them. The Kabbalistic doctrine was long the religion of the sage because like Freemasonry, it incessantly tends toward spiritual perfection and the fusion of the creeds and nationalities of mankind. In the eyes of the Kabbalist, all men are his brothers and their relative ignorance is to him but a reason for instructing them. There were illustrious Kabbalists among the Egyptians and Greeks whose doctrines the Orthodox Church has accepted, and among the Arabs were many, whose wisdom is not slighted by the medieval church. Though Masonry is identical with the ancient mysteries, Upon leaving Egypt, the mysteries were modified by the habits of the different nations among whom they were introduced. They said the Kabbalah embodied a noble philosophy. It taught the doctrine of the unity of God, the art of knowing and explaining the essence and operations of a supreme being, of spiritual powers and natural forces, and of determining their action by symbolic figures such as also the arrangement of the alphabet. This is the important point of this folks. Masonry is identical to the ancient mystery religions. Masonry is claimed to be the pagan mystery religions by masons themselves. Manly P. Hall, 33rd degree mason, was an important theosophical leader. Remember theosophy as I touched on before? He could really pack the audiences in when he spoke to their groups. So many Anglo-American masons studied Theosophy. Theosophic books are placed in Masonic libraries. Theosophy is another way to describe Vedic Hinduism, mysticism, and New Age, the conflation of those. A visit to a Theosophic library will reveal that they carry books on witchcraft, Judaism, as well as all the various topics of the New Age movement. The plan to bring in a one-world religion is at the base of all of Ellis Bailey, who I've talked about before in her writings, especially the book of the externalization of the hierarchy, quite openly spells out the plan to bring in a new age one world religion under the new world order. Ellis Bailey really needs no introduction to followers of the New Age movement. Her 24 occult books, her organization Lucius Trust, which was originally named Lucifer Trust. I talk about this in my book, Green Gospel. Her arcane school and the Findhorn community in Scotland started by her disciples are reminders of the immense impact she and her 33rd degree Mason husband had on the New Age movement. She's credited with starting over 100 New Age. Age groups. And what's shocking is she worked for the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare in 1958, setting up educational goals. And you know what's shocking? Her writings are still used in some of the new Globalism 2000 curriculum already implemented in a lot of areas across the United States in the public schools. Alice Bailey started the Arcane School to teach new age disciples the principles of the plan to bring in the new world order. The Arcane School is located in Europe and America and is headquartered in New York City. Her writings were given to her by the same great white brotherhood that masons like Manly P. Hall say direct masonry that is again the great white brotherhood other new age leaders for instance elizabeth claire prophet in her book the great white brotherhood in the culture history and religion of america also believed the great white brotherhood has been controlling religion various rosicrucians claim to be guided by the great white brotherhood too According to Alice Bailey, the Masonic movement will be the religion of the new system. Benjamin Creme, another big New Age leader, also believes Freemasonry with a revitalized Christian church will be the religion of the New Age. Lola Davis, another New Age leader, also sees Freemasonry. If you look at her book, Dark Secrets of the New Age, page 273, Freemasonry will be the New Age religion. Alice Bailey wrote in 1957, the Masonic movement is the custodian of the law. It is home of the mysteries and the seat of initiation. It holds in its symbolism the ritual of deity, and the way of salvation is pictorially preserved in its work. It is far more occult organization than can be realized and is intended to be, now this is again her words, the training school for the coming advanced occultists. Now here's an interesting phrase that she writes, when the new universal religion has sway and the nature of esotericism is understood will be the utilization of the Masonic organism and the church organism as initiating centers. There the reader has it, the universal churches of the one world religion, such as the universal churches, the Baha'i, the mysteries of the Masons and the occult are not disunited. And that right there comes from one of the most powerful New Age leaders in the recent past. One main Rosicrucian group calls itself the Church of Illumination. Interesting, early in the 1930s, now I'm going back to when I was talking about I Am, remember the I Am with Joel Osteen. I want to go back to that for a minute because in the 1930s, a couple named Edna and Guy Ballard received illumination, so they said, and they started the I Am movement. The St. Germain Press publishes items such as the monthly periodical, The Voice of the I Am. Guy borrows much of his ideas from Alice Bailey, the Rosicrucians, and the Masons. Mark and Elizabeth Clare Prophet began as a spin-off of the IM movement in the late nineteen fifties. In nineteen fifty-eight, they started Summit University to train initiates of their Church Universal and Triumphant C U T. The I M movement and the Church Universal and Triumphant are nearly identical in beliefs. Elizabeth Clare Prophets, Fraternity of Keepers of the Flame, as she calls her initiates, learn such things as astrology, crystals, white magic, Hinduism, reincarnation, karma, meditation. They learn about chakra points, how to decree, remember the I am? how to dress, and how to become divine at Summit University. And many of the things contained in Joel Osteen's book are straight out of Elizabeth Clare Prophets' writings. Episcopalian clergymen have also been very active in theosophical groups. Alice Bailey, who took over the leadership in the 1920s, had taught in the Episcopalian Church and was married to an Episcopal rector. And this is actually where Enochian magic comes in. A very famous Welchman, Dr. John Dee, created a center for esoteric studies. Sir John Dee was the court astrologer for Queen Elizabeth. He was also a magician, alchemist, and cabalist, And he was a diplomatic emissary. He laid a lot of the groundwork for modern speculative Freemasonry. He lectured in a lot of European universities on geometry. Sir John Dee was fully aware and spoke about the idea of Plato, about the great architect of the universe for which sacred geometry is a method to understand this great architect's mind. John Dee is credited for founding a type of magic, with a K, called Enochian magic. Practitioners of magic often spell magic with a K, uh, just like Alistair Crowley, who we'll get into later. Sir John Dee believed he could conjure up angels, and he was convinced that the angels he conjured up with magic were not demons. He believed he was descended from the tribe of Dan and that the Queen of England and him were related to the Brutus and the city of Troy. He also associated himself intensely with the King Arthur legends and his belief that England had a destiny to rule the world. This expansion was based on the belief that Elizabeth was descended from King Arthur, who was supposedly also a descendant of Troy, which had been settled by the tribe of Dan and that the queen had a religious duty to conquer the world. It's believed that in the 16th century, D received a vision of a vast universal religion. A good portion of the Christian Kabbalists in Europe at that time were converted Jews. Dee was very influential with his secret son, Sir Francis Bacon. Sir Francis Bacon, of course, a high-level Rosicrucian and Freemason, he was dubbed the father of modern science, but behind his public veneer lay dark secrets. He believed that secret knowledge is the source of true power. And you know what? It's no wonder that he claimed to have access to such secret knowledge, which by his admission was acquired by intercourse with demons. He was a master Kabbalist. Of course, the Kabbalah being the Jewish branch of the ancient mystery schools of secret esoteric knowledge. What is its prime objective? Is the perfection and deification of man. It's Luciferianism. Man is a god or can become god. And again, Francis Bacon was the protege of this notorious wizard John Dee, who I said was... The close friend and advisor to Queen Elizabeth, and the architect of a new brand of sorcery, he called Enochian angel magic. Dee was also a prominent figure in the Order of the Rose and Cross, and most likely the order's grand master before passing the torch over to Francis Bacon. Both Dee and Bacon shared the conviction that the legendary empire of Atlantis would rise again in the very land now called the United States of America. With the guidance of non human intelligence. In fact, Francis Bacon wrote a book entitled New Atlantis and published it in 1627. He said, The New Atlantis represents utopian Christian society ruled by a pagan philosophic priesthood. And again, this all ties in with the fact that the Luciferians' endeavor is to reinstitute the Golden Age, the Old Age, and enthrone their philosopher king. Satan. And many of these ascended masters that all these occultists have plugged into, they keep talking about man needing to create a one world government and a one world religion. This new period, often called the Golden Age, technology and new age spiritual philosophy are combined to establish a paradise new world. This is talked about in the Book of Knowledge, The Keys of Enoch by J.J. Hertak, H-U-R-T-A-K. Another new age Bible given, by the Spirit God to Michael Matheson, warns that man will be severely punished unless mankind organizes into a one-world government by the year 2000. Matheson titled his 442-page Bible, The New American Bible. Now, one famous New Age leader was murdered for revealing too much about the New Age movement. His book, entitled Inside the New Age Nightmare, tells the story of someone who left his channeling when he realized he was serving demons. Randall Bayer reveals that Satan and his demons were the spirit guides of the New Age. Public channeling, he said, is mass hypnosis. Through speech cadence, orchestrated body and hand movements, voice inflections, and invisible demonic powers that fill the room, the spirit weaves a hypnotic web of rainbow gilded infiltration. And he really ousted all the Freemasonic things that were weaving themselves into the church. According to the Illuminati, Masonic, and other sources, the Illuminati were white magicians. The Masonic leaders believed they continued guide mankind as the Great White Brotherhood. When it comes to Freemasonry, interesting that Fred Franz, before joining the Watchtower Society, had studied to be a Presbyterian minister. In 1913, while Charles Taz Russell was still considered the faithful and wise servant, Fred Franz joined and had played a great role in the formation of the Watchtower's theology during Rutherford's time. Fred Franz gives his Masonic membership away when he translates Hosea 12.14, the Hebrew word Adonai or Lord, he translates it as Grand Master. The word Adonai is literally Lord. It is a single word that simply calls for a direct, straightforward translation as Lord. There is no conceivable, plausible explanation for calling God the Grand Master, except that it is a subtle signal of his Masonic membership. Kingdom Hall, Masonic Hall, and I'm not going to get really into the Jehovah's Witness Church, but I will tell you that with all the research I've done on the Jehovah Witnesses, I can tell you that it is a very Masonic cult indeed that is duping people into thinking that it's a religion. Oh, it's a religion, all right, a religion of Satan himself. Now, back to Jim Shaw, who was a 33rd degree Freemason, who came out of Freemasonry and became a Christian. He writes, Freemasonry is a worldwide conspiracy to destroy the church of Jesus Christ on earth and to bring about a one world church. With the Unitarian and the Theosophical System in Masonry, it is nearing this goal. Unsuspecting Christians who do not know that Masonry is controlled by Satan are also aiding it. What was once satanic is now scientific. Hypnotism, spirit guides, mind control being the corner of ritual abuse, the key element in the subjugation and silencing of its victims— These have been part of the occult's mind control programs and are now scientific and becoming an integral part of modern society. Other occult beliefs, such as evolution, are being made the foundation of many of the arts and scientists. Step by step, the satanic plan for world domination is being carried out. Satanic mind control is achieved through an elaborate system of brainwashing, programming, indoctrination, hypnosis, and the various uses of mind altering. The purpose of the mind control is to compel its victims to keep the secret of their abuse, to conform to the beliefs and behaviors of the cult, and to become functioning members who serve the cult by carrying out the directives of its leaders without being detected within society at large. It's interesting that the 33rd degree Mason Franz Anton Mesmer, for where we get mesmerized, he was an Austrian physician and Freemason whose method of magnetic healing was based on alchemy and the development of hypnotherapy, putting people in a trance. Did you know that you can alter your state of consciousness using sound, hypnotherapy, mesmerizing trances, it also ties into music. Let's talk about for a minute, binaural beats. Researchers believe that changes occur in the brain through the use of binaural beats. They activate a system within the brain. An EEG that recorded the electrical brain activity of people listening to these beats showed the effect on a person's body varied according to the frequency patterns used. And I'm sure we've all felt the mood-altering effects of music once it strikes the right chord in the mind, the body, the soul. Music, mysticism, magic, Magic is all wizardry. Now, we know the human mind is a mysterious and complex mechanism that's often compared to a computer. The brain has the power to control every facet of an individual. Music can alter your mental state, as does hypnosis. Remember, I talked about brain waves, wavelengths represented by. Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, and Theta brainwaves. You can refer to that in the former teaching I did on mind control. They say if you were able to control the waves, you'd be in turn able to entrain your mind into certain stages of cognition harmonics, vibration, these binaural beats, they're all to do with frequencies. It's interesting in really early experiments on auditory in a quarterly journal of science, C. Wheatstone discovered that while perceiving two pure sin waves, there was a third sound perceived that wasn't really there. He said if a frequency of 100 hertz is presented to the left ear and a frequency of 105 hertz is presented to your right ear, your brain hears a third frequency pulsing at 5 hertz. This wasn't paid much attention to until 1839 when a physicist named Heinrich William Dove termed it as a binaural beat. Later, research showed that the binaural beat would cause the brain to try to resonate with the sound, producing a brainwave of that frequency. Simpler put, at whatever frequency the binaural beat resonated, the brain would follow suit. In today's world, These binaural beats are used to get people into various states of consciousness and are incorporated into music. A lot of transcendental meditation uses binaural beats, but the frightening sound, they're mixed in with isochronic tones in a lot of musicians. They musicians use these tricks in their trade. Now it's interesting that there's some really frightening things that has been discovered also about a lot of Hillsong music. I mean, I could do a whole show on Hillsong, Donna Crouch, one of the Hillsong pastors, uses MK mind control techniques and teaches them to Hillsong churches. This is a form of witchcraft. MK techniques are occult techniques used by the Illuminati Satanists and occult wizards. And now by Hillsong megachurch pastors Donna Crouch and Joel A. Bell head of Hillsong Australia are two of these compliant puppets and stooges of Brian Houston of Hillsong. One of my listeners from Sydney. That was involved in it said that Donna Crouch came from Sydney to teach them how to create the atmosphere during a Hillsong service. They were told straight away that preparing the room with dimmed lights darker paint loud music cool dressing could help create an atmosphere for God to operate in their midst. And then in the auditorium, they did a demonstration. They were also taught how to choreograph their worship services with raised arms, closed eyes, jumping in occasional shouts, if rostered to go up to the platform announcements, offerings, or preaching to make sure They were to go up the stairs fast on a hype, expressing real overjoyous excitement, really pumped. Well, he got a text message during a Sunday morning service from a guy brought up from Sydney, Steve Mostyn, to help implement Hillsong Culture in Brisbane. He was sitting next to his wife and he got a text message that said, your aisle is very quiet during the service. Now is the time for you to start shouting, yeah, and amen and preach it. Make some noise and liven it up. You know what's frightening is a lot of Hillsong music is almost in every church nowadays. And you know what's frightening is the use of MK mind control techniques and covert manipulations is not just life at Hillsong, but it's also permeated a lot of the mega preachers and pastors. As you can see from this expose, a lot of what's permeated today's mega churches is masonry, music, magic, and mind control, and it all weaves together together. In the next expose, I'm going to connect some dots and do some powerful prayer. And we're going to break off mind control and mind binding spirits. I'm so glad that you tuned into part four of this series. I hope you enjoyed it.